0: Nature
1: News from RSPB Scotland. Hello and welcome to our podcast, Nature News from RSPB Scotland. I'm Stephen McGee. We're going to be bringing you stories about nature, from global news to the little things we are noticing every day.
2: And I'm Kate Kirkwood. We aim to keep you in touch with nature as the seasons change. And we'll also try and give you some ideas about things you can do to help nature.
1: But we're also really keen to hear your nature news. You can contact us on Twitter at Scotland, or you can email us at our dedicated email podcast.scotland at rspb.org.uk
2: And please remember to subscribe and leave a review because it helps other folk find us in the podcast jungle.
1: So the first bit of news, uh, as ever, is our own personal nature news. Uh, I had um, a fantastic little tiny experience last week. Um, I was on a wee camping trip with my son, and we were walking up uh, a, a spate burn glen. Right, it's a really steep, rocky uh, kind of spate burn uh, in Highland Perthshire. Uh, and I one of those moments, you know, when you go to a place and you see a landscape and you think, I bet there's a such and such here. So I was walking up there and we got to this bridge and I was like, this just looks like a gray wagtail kind of a place, right? Uh, crossed, literally crossed the bridge, turn left, little bob in flight over our head, lands on a rock in front of us, gray wagtail, oh. right? And it was just like, not only is it a nice bird to see, but like, how smug was I? It's like I thought <laughs> in my mind's eye, you know. Oh, but you know, this is a, you know. And and it sat there, and it did like, you know, what birds sometimes do when it looks like they're auditioning for the field guide, mm-hmm. right? You know, I mean, it's sitting on a rock in front of a rushing mountain burn with a little bit of native kind of like broadleaf woodland around it, kind of like bobbing it, bobbing up and down and flicking its tail, and like, like basically like a grey wagtail audition, you know? Textbook, yeah, right literally textbook. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So, so that was that was my highlight. What about you?
2: Um, one of the things that I've been really enjoying between the uh, the, the really hot dry spells uh, has been the downpours of rain. I know not everyone likes them at the moment. Oh, it's been a relief. Oh, but you know what? It just gives me so much, so much joy to see it raining when we've had such dry spells, but it also gives me a great hope for the next month or so I can see all the brambles beginning to, <laughs> to fruit. We we we're literally surrounded. surrounded
1: by brambles, aren't we? And there's just, there's the beginnings of all the little yep. berries kind of poking out on oh, them. It's, it's lush, I yeah. love it.
2: And uh, one of the things I have been enjoying, Esk isn't with us today, my puppy, oh. uh, the the podcast puppy. She's not with us today. She's uh, having a nice quiet day at home. Uh, one of the things I've taught her to do is uh, to pick raspberries for the wild raspberries. So we- uh, Hang
1: on, a dog picking raspberries. Oh, she loves them. Does she not just snarf them?
2: Um, what? she eats them like she's pick, picking them to eat them
1: that's I, what I'm saying I, th- I thought you meant like oh you no you dug a basket and it goes around <laughs> and like you know she, brings she's, them back she's part
2: Labrador but <laughs> if there's food involved it's not going anywhere but her mouth <laughs> no 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 we pick and, and, and consume on the go okay. uh, and so having taught her one what a raspberry is and two that she likes them uh, she, uh, she'll she go picking and uh, we'll just walk along together and have a, have a wee snack um, but looking forward to the brambles coming out because the, the, the bushes are looking pretty heavy at the moment which is uh, always a good sign for, for the autumn.
1: Good things to come. News is in the title of the podcast and really from a nature and particular climate point of view there's there's been one bit of news that has absolutely dominated in the last few days and that is the report of the IPCC. Now I see to your greater knowledge on this Kate, um, I mean my initial feeling seeing stuff was just Kind of overwhelmed, really. What did you think?
2: Absolutely. I think definitely very easy to have read the newspaper and the media reports yesterday on the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, their annual report number six. Uh, The newspaper headings definitely very doom and gloom, very disaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. And also headlined with a lot of pictures of of wildfires and destruction that are happening around the world at the moment. It's really easy. Um, to feel overwhelmed with that. Um, And so I hadn't had a chance to watch the briefing yesterday, uh, but what I did did do, because I wanted to to understand it better, um, was I had a look at some of the the summaries for policymakers that's available on the IPCC website. Um, Again, some of the technical language in there is not particularly accessible, but it gave me enough of a flavor Um, of what the report says Um, and I've made a commitment to myself, um, anyone on Twitter who follows me will notice that I made a commitment yesterday to read the summaries um, and then over the next week work through chapters, have a look and skim things and then go and understand it in more depth essentially because I think if I went headlong straight into a report like that it would be quite eco-anxiety inducing Um, and I think for a lot of people who don't have that knowledge or don't have uh or even do have that knowledge it's sometimes more scary when you know too much yeah uh, or know more um so i think uh taking a kind of uh, a drip feed uh, approach to it for for understanding and really sitting with how i feel about it because it's actually quite an emotional experience
1: because I, I i think that is a big shift we've seen which is which is when you're looking at how people are responding to this obviously there's always been anxiety and anger and worry about it, but the extent to which people are now prepared to express that and say, this makes me feel in this way or that way, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna try and negotiate my way through it. And, and I suppose that's really what you're talking about, is, 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 is if, if you slice it up, not only do you end up understanding it better because you know, like anything big, you're gonna take it in better if you try and break it down into chunks, it hopefully doesn't leave you just with the feeling this is so big I can't do anything about it because fundamentally there are things that we can all do and they're going to be like we talked about in the last podcast but are going to be loads of opportunities to do things and it's really important that we don't let it get on top of us
2: Absolutely and I think that is the one thing that's really important about approaching anything to do with climate change, and you'll hear this from activists from around the world, and um, there's a great deal of burnout that can happen because of the overwhelm that people experience. They care a lot and that's why it's so emotional. I think that's, you you feel that hurt or upset or panic because you care about it. And I think that's an indicator to yourself when you are feeling those feelings, that you can go, okay, there's a reason I feel this way. Why is it I feel this way and what thing can I do for me to help me feel better in that moment, but what else can I be doing for those around me and nature around me? And I think as you'll hear from from many of the people that work with RSPB or are volunteers with RSPB, it's those connections to the land, to the place, to the nature around them that actually heal those, those feelings of of discomfort and pain, um, which are very, very real. I think that's worthwhile recognising that if you're feeling that feeling, It can't just be dismissed. It's real because it's real to you.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm afraid the other bit of news from the past few days also has its depressing elements, Mm. which is it it was Hen Harrier Day, which of itself was brilliant, and you know, and um, a a week-long celebration of the Hen Harrier, which, you know, I'm not disagreeing with that. Absolutely fantastic bird. um, Emblematic of, you know, some amazing landscapes and some amazing places. But as ever, when we're dealing with raptors in particular, Hen Harriers, uh, the spectre of persecution you know was a big part of that and um, it is unfortunately still a very real problem that we are facing and um, I, I suppose I would encourage people to go and have a look um, at the shooting review part of the RSPB website because RSPB went through an exhaustive evidence-based process looking at the structural issues that drive persecution, how we address it. There's an enormous amount going on in Scotland, you know, with the prospect of licensing and looking at different aspects of shooting that will hopefully help us to continue the process of being part of the solution to this problem, right? But we cannot pretend that the problem isn't still there. You know?
2: No, absolutely. And I think just picking back to what you were saying about the celebrations of, about henna areas. I think when it is challenging and when these, the spectre of persecution as you mentioned comes up it's also definitely worth remembering the successes that we have yeah and yeah. you were mentioning earlier when we were chatting before we started recording about uh, sort of populations on lewis and yeah,
1: amazing there's a, there's a whole yeah, a new population there just over the last five years on lewis of breeding hen harriers you know um but you know if you or me, right? You know, I don't want to overcommit here, but you'd, you'd struggle not to see a harrier if you go to the right places, right? You know, it, 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 there are places where they're doing fantastically mm-hmm. well. There are places where they're not. You know, you know, <laughs> the the evidence is overwhelming about the relationships between driven grouse shooting persecution and those black holes where harriers aren't. That's a problem that needs to be addressed. But you're absolutely right you know we also need to focus on the the fact that there are successes and that there are still plenty of places that you can go in scotland and have a decent chance of seeing a hen harrier and that is something that i can tell you from personal experience will stay with you for the rest of your life when it happens
2: I think I've possibly seen a hen harrier. (laughs) Um, My birding goes as far as do I recognise the shape of that raptor Uh, and sometimes it's a yes and sometimes it's it's a no and I think it was a possible "Mm, I'm not sure on Lewis quite a few years ago. So We'll be
1: generous, we'll give it to you.
2: As I mentioned earlier in my nature news, uh, it's beginning to turn towards the autumn. The summer's beginning to kind of...
1: Can we not use the A word yet? Still enjoying the summer. It's
2: beautiful bright sunshine just now as we're recording. (laughs) And uh, as the season begins to shift, shall we say, we're not using the A word just now, uh, towards the end of the summer season uh, and all the berries are beginning to come out, our our thoughts also begin to turn towards the the migratory birds Uh, and one of the projects that I've been involved with as a volunteer uh, has been the Edinburgh Swift Cities project and earlier this week uh, Stephen and I sat down with Katie O'Neill from the Edinburgh Swift City project uh, on a beautiful sunny afternoon on leaf links and talked about uh, the project but also the fantastic celebration we had just been part of.
1: So, Katie, we have just witnessed you (laughs) in your your triumphant... Uh, la- de- la- not, your, not your last moments. That'd be terribly bleak. You're, 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 you're de- coming towards the end of this project, the yeah. Swift City project, right? Um, and it was brilliant to see all these people who turned out. You know, loads of folk from the community. Kate was there as well. Yes,
2: as a volunteer and yeah. lots of the volunteer group as well. Yeah, and one
1: of your what I'm coming to realise is an increasingly large collection of hats. But, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> how, how does it feel to be at this stage?
3: I'm very happy. Um, yeah, today was the final uh, target of the whole project. So we've now achieved everything that we set out to achieve, um, which is really exciting um, and yeah, very happy.
1: <laughs> so, so for people who have it, and there can't be many people, right, who are across Twitter who haven't seen some of what you've done over the last <laughs> year, right, because it's been tons. But give us a rough idea of what the Swiss City Project's about.
3: Um, So the aim of it is to protect and enhance the SWIFT population um, through conservation and community engagement. Um, So we did that through multiple ways. We spoke with people across different sectors, um, 16 organisations across Edinburgh um, engaged with thousands of people um, through different comms with your help um, and um, also through the the self-led cycle route that went around Edinburgh linking SWIFT streets, um, like where Kate lives uh swift hubs uh murals like what we were standing in front of today on the links um and different green spaces Kate, you were
1: involved with this as well you know as a volunteer what what did you get
2: yeah um so i live in the um sort of east side of edinburgh um near to hollywood park uh, and we've got resident swifts and i've loved them ever since i moved in um i jumped to the chance to get involved um and so went along to one of the first sort of Volunteer sessions, and um, we were still in lockdown. I think at that point, so it's a webinar online. So find out more about what was happening, um, and volunteered my time to help with some of the the social media side of things, uh, and started learning more about swifts and swift conservation in the city. Um, and it's been through local kind of neighbourhood connections where I live, um, and a really great uh, sort of neighbourhood network that we've been able to. Um, encourage people who were thinking about putting up swift nest boxes to actually go ahead and do it. Mm. Um, So big shout out to Jim there who's done his uh, and what I've gotten out of it is that sense of connection with my neighbours and feeling like I'm able to contribute to like, a wider part of the project.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of bringing people together as well as anything mm. else. And I think, Kate, you, you were saying this when you were um, addressing the assembled mass of supporters that you had there, right? But, um, <laughs> COVID safe, of course. Yeah, COVID safe. But um, w- one of the things that's good about this is it's not just about getting people to think about Swifts or sign a petition or whatever. All those, all those things are brilliant, right? Mm. There's real material change here that will make a difference for generations and generations and generations of swifts.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah absolutely it's um, yeah a large part of what I like about the project is that it's very tangible and accessible for anybody to help um, the swift population so the swifts eat the insects um, which are supported by the wildflowers and trees and anybody can plant wildflowers anybody can plant trees or protect already existing uh, green spaces that then d- support the flying insect population. Um, we also had people making nest boxes from uh, the Forge community, Tipperary community, uh, Harmony School, and Edinburgh Tool Library, um, that is based here in Leith. Um, all upskilled to be able to make nest boxes themselves. Um, so we were able to put in. Support different uh, existing communities and projects within Edinburgh to install a hundred nest boxes this year. Which um, is brilliant. I mean, when you think about yeah, about
1: like potentially what difference that makes over time. Right? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah, so the swifts are faithful, are site faithful, so they'll, they'll come back. They go the whole way to Central Africa and they come back to the exact same spot that they nested in the year before. And also, when the Smart wee babies answer. are born, they come back to the same site again, which is just blows my mind. It does Anyone's blow my mind. Yeah, mo- yeah, mo- and, mo- and I
2: think as well when you, when you live in the same place for a couple of years and you know that fact Mm. the swifts that you see coming back to the nest, sites they're your swifts yeah yeah absolutely I feel really protective over my swifts they're (laughs) definitely not mine but they're my local swifts and uh, that that kind of you you go on that journey of the breeding season with them don't you Mm -hmm. seeing them fledge and all of that
1: yeah and one of the other things we're sitting here in Leaf Links just now and the sun's coming out and this is very definitely an urban environment Mm -hmm. And swifts, I think, part of the power of them, it is is how accessible they are. If you live in a place mm-hmm. like this, it's just a bird that you're, you're just going. To, they're so noisy, you you can't <laughs> but, not but notice them. No, in a good way, <laughs> but you know, no, no, I mean no But I mean, like, they're one of those things, one of those bits of nature in a city that you 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 can't help but notice.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would hope so. And one of the nice things that we had was in a, another urban environment within Edinburgh where we were doing the research um, somebody that, that actually hadn't noticed them um, came out instead of watching the world darts and was like this is way more interesting and we were all sat there watching the the swifts as the sun set across the sky and it was all very beautiful that has to be that has to be your project tagline
1: swifts more interesting than
3: darts I'm so (laughs) yeah and and yeah that is the thing about it as well is that you don't need a car and to understand how to go to a nature reserve which is very inaccessible to a lot of people you literally can be in your bed looking out your window and see swifts kind of thing like you don't need to to go anywhere um. yeah
2: absolutely and i think as well maybe people aren't familiar with the swift calls so once they hear them the first time Mm. they then They've got their ear in for it and totally you hear in. it everywhere. Um, I have to admit, it took me a couple of years of where I was living to fully understand what the swift calling was and understand their flight patterns and their feeding. Mm, but the once, once you notice it, you're like, you hear it everywhere. And it definitely makes me look up.
1: Mm. So the time of year we're at now, they are about to head south. They're leaving us. I yeah. So, how do you feel <laughs> about that? Is it is it sad, or is it like, or do you feel proud that they're they're when they come back next year, they'll come back to a city that's even better for Swiss than when you start?
3: Yeah, I hope so. I hope they appreciate it. Um, I'm very sad <laughs> that they're leaving. I'm also very relieved because it means that I can take a holiday. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they are, yeah. Also still just me- mesmerised that they're going to undertake this insane journey to the Congo and Central Africa and, and, and back again in a time that we won't see them. Um, but also, yeah, sad because it indicates the start of the darker months to come. So but also, I'm sad but also happy of what we've achieved in this time. And something to look forward to. Well, yeah. look, it,
1: it is unlikely if for no other reason other than that they don't have opposable thumbs that you're going to get a thank you card from the swift so so i think i think i think kate and i will close by yeah. saying thank you to you and everybody else in the project for all the work you've done and for making Edinburgh a better place for these it amazing been,
2: yeah it has been an absolute pleasure to be involved and to see all the work of yourself and and all the the volunteer team behind it as well mm. uh, yeah like you say Swifts without opposable thumbs, but they thank they do
3: indeed thank you.
1: No no thumbs up.
3: <laughs> can we get a can we get a wing, a, up. Get a wing yeah. up or a wing? Okay, thank you. Thank
1: you. Thanks. Strictly speaking that conversation was work. Hey. <laughs>
2: It's, it's the best, really, best type of work no, though, I isn't it? I really feel like it was like you know, <laughs>
1: sitting in the park uh, chatting about SWIFTs. I think, you know, SWIFTs are, there's so much about them um, and I, and it's been really brilliant to see how that project has helped people engage with that because cause there are so many, you know, from their weird, constant flight through to their scratchy little feet, through to their noisy screaming parties. There's just, there's so much to get into about them.
2: They are really fantastic birds and it wasn't until that I started living in the part of town that I live in that I really noticed them in Edinburgh uh, because we're really, really fortunate to have nests where we are. Uh, But they are just, you just look up when you hear them screeching and scything across the sky. They are absolutely magnificent, spectacular
1: wee birds. Yeah, they're amazing. Now, part of that project a lot of the work there was trying to create habitat for swifts, both in terms of nest boxes, but also in terms of keeping all the plants that we need in cities so that there's space for invertebrates, so that those invertebrates can then provide food for swifts, and so on and so on. Now, habitat creation is obviously an enormous part of what the RSPB does, uh, and I was lucky enough recently to get to go to our uh, Loch Lomond nature reserve to see an example of creating not quite something out of nothing, but but not far off. Um, so I met up with uh, Paula Baker from the reserve team to find out more about how you make a wetland.
0: We are now creating a new wetland on site, and for me, this is also really exciting because this is the first proper like ecology project where we're really you know moving the soil around and making a real turn it making something look really different
1: yeah because tell me about that because a lot of what the what you do here is like habitat preservation but this is different how is this different and how much, and how exciting is it to be involved in something like that yeah cuz
0: because, because we we have lots of designations and we we do lots of monitoring work and lots of theoretical chats about how we'd like things to change and this is the first thing i suppose where we've we've had all those theoretical chats we've had the people come in and do the feasibility studies we've we've gone to all the different agencies and now we're actually creating wetland we're creating new habitat for wildlife and it's always been really wet and really uneven and people lose their wellies in here and fall over and and and, but it's never been good for any wildlife at all because it's completely covered in rush and so we wanted to find a way to take all the water that was in the field and focus it into an area that was that's going to really benefit stuff that's already here but also maybe bring in new stuff like passage waders which we don't really have any any suitable habitat for maybe make some more ground for for wading birds with water levels that we could control um but and the main thing and what drives a lot of our management is some greenland white fronted geese so turning this field into to their ideal habitat that's what we're trying to do so it's a little bit rushy it's got wet areas it's got grazing areas and then when they're here in the winter we've actually got something that we're able to manage that provides reliable feeding for them
1: because th- this has quite a lot in common with like with quite a lot of the things right that i've seen in various places in that what you're trying to do is achieve diversity is even in you know like even in just one field yeah. right so tell me a bit about that it's about taking places that have become like a monoculture and breaking it
0: up right yeah 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 because I mean rush itself is it, it's not a non-native species it, it will always be found in in small quantities but when the conditions have just made it so that there's there's nothing else that's really doing any good in this field at all so we're trying to make it so that you've got like with other places on the site a variety of different habitats which will bring in a variety of different species. So within the pools that we're creating themselves, there'll be deep areas, which will be suitable for breeding amphibians. There'll be shallow areas, which will at different times of year, you know, expose mud. So there's feeding for for wading birds but we'll also have control of water levels so that we can, we can drain the water right down and create that really like open, muddy area. We can drain it totally down so we can get on and cut the field and, and maintain and reduce rush levels in that way. But we can also let the water level fill right, right up in the winter so that we get ducks and we get geese and we get all sorts of of, of different interesting things. Because I think that's the thing.
1: This wee field is going to work quite hard. I mean, it really is. It's amazing what you can do with... Because like, looking over the top of it, right, from the drone, you can see it's a decent space. It's a big field, but it is just a field. Like, how much difference can one field make?
0: Well, I, I, th- I think... <sighs> The creation of any new wetland area from something which is not very supportive of any species uh, is, is, will, will be a, a huge difference. And this, you know, although we're, I suppose we're talking about this in isolation, this links into lots of other projects that we're doing on the site. So, for example, we've been doing a program to remove invasive willow scrub from around the fen. So, so that we're um, creating a more connected wetland and we're adding a piece onto that really by turning this field into wetland as well. Um, but this field is, you know, this is, not, this is not within the protected area on the reserve. This is something that, that we have, we purchased and we've seen potential to make this a better part of the, of the nature reserve.
1: Imagine, right, the best case scenario in your head. Tell me about it and how exciting potentially is it?
0: so this winter we'll have this field will all be wet and there'll be some nice grazing areas where the green and white fronted geese will come in and they'll land and they'll feed Um, and they're they're such beautiful birds and that would be absolutely fantastic to see that and then we'll also get lots of the ducks coming in so as it gets colder we get more wildfowl coming in things like tufted ducks and teal and widgeon and they'll come in and they'll some will dabble around the edges and some will dive into the deeper bits Um, and then when we come start coming into the spring and we start to drop the water levels down, you get some like pas- passage wading birds. That's where the, I suppose the birders will get excited because you might just get some rarities cropping up different different waders. I think Luke's really excited about um, Terex sandpiper and temminck's stint. That seems to be his two target species. Um, but, you know, just more generally things like lapwing, snipe, red shank. That's our that's the species that we would we, we, we would hope to get around here. Um, and then you, you, vegetation will grow up in different places. You might get sedge warblers, there might be grasshopper warblers in the field. Um, and then dropping it down into the this time of year, where well, there's not so many birds around, but I mean, the other thing that we really want to attract in is amphibians. So we want to see the frogs and the toads, or we want to see frogs spawn in the, in the pools. And we want to see um, newts appearing and, and you know, um, lizards basking on the rocks around the edges. Um, and then manage all of the the rest of the, the vegetation and then comes back round to the winter and st- all starts again.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. The, the potential scale of things that you could do with just making some changes to a field.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the focus of this project is on ecology and that's really exciting. A lot of the projects that we've done on the site over the last e- eight years have either been about infrastructure and improving infrastructure or about creating more space for for visitors on the site and all of those things are important but it's it's really exciting to do something that's really just about ecology and if it works really well we'll be looking at ways that we can make it so that people can see that as well but for now the focus is purely on let's make an amazing wetland
2: It's so good to hear uh, from the team at Loch Lomond about what they've got planned and what they're actually getting to do on the ground. um, I have heard about the the work at Loch Lomond over the last couple of years and the team have put an immense amount of work, work. so much work going on behind the scenes uh, that goes into these types of projects Um, and also I think what really comes across from Paula is her excitement and also yeah. talking about Luke's excitement for uh, the vision of what they're they're going to create.
1: I can also say Luke's excitement of get, getting to drive a big tractor. <laughs> like if, if, if you if you have a look, if you have a look uh, on our YouTube channel, right? Just uh, just rspb youtube and there's a scotland playlist on there right and it's got all our video stuff in it there there, there will soon be a video on there um, as soon as i get it finished um about uh, about the work at loch Lomond in the wetland uh and luke's driving this special tractor of which we will hear more in the future believe mm-hmm. me there's this big blue tractor with like tank track things on it like um, that'll be the wrong phrase and i'll get into trouble i'm sure but that's what they look like right and it's it, and it's designed to be able to go places other tractors can not go so it's because it puts so little pressure on the ground and looks gets to drive it and seriously man he looks so happy I put a GoPro in the in the tractor cab and he's just like a man in his element yeah.
2: I mean who wouldn't want to drive a tractor it's you, you can tractor go team, right? you can go and drive diggers in special like adventure play park type things, <laughs> but if you get to do it for work, even better. Anyway, but, but th- th- <laughs> rather th- than not getting distracted by tractors, that will that will follow
1: up. No, th- another th- point. that be tractors another point. But you know, you're, the thing about it is that that there's a kind of magic, mm-hmm. I think, about being able to take a bit of ground, have an idea about it, have a vision. Work out, you know, like how you're going to pay for it, who mm-hmm. you're going to partner with, you know, in this instance, Frog Life and all, the, all these kind of people who are helping us out, right? And and then actually do it. And then I'm really excited because I'm going to get to go back, you know, Absolutely. hopefully in the autumn and get some more footage and hopefully it'll, you know, after the downpours we've had now, it'll start getting water in it. And exactly.
2: It's amazing. I think it's a really good example of um, the age old saying of build it and they will come. <laughs> um, it's not quite kind of... From of I have no idea. I think that's, that, is, that
0: is quite possibly. It's probably some... Deep, some deep
1: 90s cut. <laughs> I think that's Kevin Costner in baseball.
2: <laughs> I think so. Um, but definitely, if you, know what you're, if you know what you're doing, if you've gone and learnt about what you need to do, oh. and then you've kind of gone, okay, what's missing here? And recognise that gap. And like the team at Loch Lomond have done, is they've gone, we've got a field. It, it does... Not a whole lot, but it could do so much better. And like you say, when you're chatting to Paula about how hard that field is going to work for nature. And it's going to be a lot of work to get it to the stage they want it to be at for for it to actually be attracting wildlife. But not a lot of change has to happen before those first species come in because they spot it and go, that looks like a nice place to live. And honestly, I think that it's a big project. But you can do that on sm- much, much smaller scales in your green spaces, in your gardens, yeah, on your yeah, windowsills, and so I think it's quite easy to go. That's a big project that someone else is doing; it's been funded uh, by big organisations, etc. But as people, we can do, we can make those small changes to our, the landscape around us as well.
1: D- does that mean I can get a tractor? Uh,
2: we need to ask uh, Anne. I have
1: to Tesco grown up. Right, well, anyway, well, look, that is it for this week. Uh, we hope it's been worth a listen.
2: And don't forget, uh, we really want to hear what you think. D- does Stephen deserve a tractor? Shall, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> is that too much to An- ask? answer is yes. <laughs> you can get in touch with us at RSPB Scotland on Twitter uh, or email podcast.scotland at rspb.org.uk. Um, what should we be covering? What nature news is happening near you? send us your pictures tweet us your pictures we want to see uh, and how did we do do you like what we're talking about or would you prefer us to chat about more uh other topics
1: just like if you probably please do <laughs> use the email i had to fill out quite a big form to get it and please subscribe and leave us a review uh, as well but anyway that is it for now Goodbye. take care
2: bye